0: Hello, and welcome to Rehydrate. This season, we'll be reading and discussing Liu Shins' The Dark Forest, book number two of the Remembrance of Earth Past series. This is season three, episode two, Cosmic Brush, where we'll be discussing until the end of part one. In season one, we talked about the three-body problem, and the hosts have varying level of knowledge on this book and the rest of the series. My name is Dan, and I've read the series a bunch of times.
1: Hi, I'm Tim, and I've uh, only read up to this week's reading.
2: Hi, this is Amin, and I've only read up to this week's reading. And additionally, uh, I'm co host of the Rehydrate Spoiler Cast with Dan. And this season, we also have a new co host joining us. Her name is Talia, and she is also very experienced in the entire series. So if you have read the entire series and want to dive deeper, or if you, like me, don't care about spoilers, you should check out the spoiler cast.
0: And I also want to mention we have another interview that uh, I just posted on the feed with a person named Priya. And it was a great, great discussion. Uh, You should listen to it. Uh, And then I wanted to follow up with some notes we got from a listener who I actually did another interview series with um, named Frank. And he has uh, experience reading the book in both English and Chinese. So he has some good insight into stuff that is basically doesn't translate as well um, or is not obvious to a listener or a reader who is reading in English. Um, I'll put the notes, uh, his his notes, into the show notes so you can look at them. But I picked out a couple that I thought were interesting. Uh, and so the first one refers to um, the Tong, which is the ship that the actual like, naval ship that Zhang Beihai are is looking at in the first episode. Uh, and Tang refers to the Tang dynasty from ancient China from uh, 618 to 907 AD and it's generally regarded as the peak of Chinese civilization so i think it's you know indicative of like this is supposed to be the peak of military <laughs> the the this big carrier but then it becomes obsolete which is interesting and then i also want to talk about uh, one of the the old men who were introduced in the last chapter. His name is uh, Miao Fuchan. Uh, he's a coal mine owner, and a coal mine owner in China is apparently a stereotype. And there's there's sort of men who, lack, who are rich, but lack class, um, which you can kind of see with uh, his character. Uh, and then finally, um, he did mention that in this chapter, we do meet with an, an unnamed Al Qaeda leader. And I think it's supposed to be, no, you know, kind of be taken as read that it's Bin Laden. Uh, but this book was published in 2008, um, and Bin Laden was killed in 2011. So no just wouldn't have known that that was going to happen. He figured he'd just live to his old age. Thank you very much, Frank, for your notes. And I will continue to look at them and you know bring up ones that, that relate to the material that we're talking about in the current episode. So moving on to the summary for this episode, uh, we start with uh, Zhang Beihai continuing his work within the Space Force to ensure that the military is ready and believes in victory against the incoming tri invasion. When planning the future of the fleet, Zhang is the only one that volunteers for the high-tech area of research that includes life support and fusion drives that go to 5% of the speed of light. We're also introduced to the wall-facers and the starter their plans. We meet with Ray Diaz, who researches how to build a bigger bomb and in the process develops a fear of the sun. Bill Hines and his wife think about ways to build on their neurological research to both better humanity and increase cognitive abilities as a way around the sofa Lock, Frederick Taylor starts to develop a plan for a swarm of small fighters equipped with large bombs. To help develop his plan, he seeks information about World War II kamikaze pilots and even meets with the leader of al-Qaeda. Loa Ji exits the UN building after being named a facer and is a victim of an assassination attempt by the ETO. Thanks to his bulletproof vest and Dasher's quick reaction, he is a- relatively unharmed. After trying to renounce his position of Wallfacer, he realizes due to the nature of the program, no matter what he says, no one can really trust that he's left the program. So he eventually embraces the ability to do whatever he wants. He requests an idyllic manner in the mountains and lives a life of luxury. He also requests that Da Shur find his dream girlfriend in real life, which Da Shur does with the use of face recognition technology. And it is an art graduate named Zhuang Yan. The law tells her that his plan is that she is to be happy, which starts with a trip to the Louvre where they explore famous paintings together, including the Mona Lisa. The remnants of the ETO meet in the three-body world and assign three wallbreakers to determine and expose the secret wallfacer plans. Loji is not assigned a wallbreaker, saying he is his own wallbreaker, but admitting that he ultimately poses the biggest danger since he is in direct contest with their lord. Finally, the military has taken over operation of the Hubble II tel- space telescope, and despite its inability to see Trisolaris, they are forced to point it in that direction. And while expecting to see nothing, they do notice lines through the cosmic dust that resembles a brush. They are shocked to realize that they are looking at the trails of the and fleet on their way to Earth. And like last time, I wanted to kind of give a rundown of all the new characters. We did hear about some of these characters in the previous chapter, but I think we're actually re- former, quote unquote formally introduced to them. Albert Ringer, who is the Hubble II astronomer, Kent, who is liaison to the PDC or the Planetary Defense Council. Uh, We're introduced more fully to the wallfacers, Manuel Rey Diaz, who is the former president of Venezuela. We have Bill Hines, an English neuroscientist and former president of the EU. Uh, His wife, Keiko Yamasuki, who's also a neuroscientist, and Frederick Taylor, who is the former U.S. Secretary of Defense. And we're also introduced to Chuang Yen, who is a graduate of the Central Academy of Fine Arts. So with that long preamble out of the way, what did you guys think of these chapters?
1: This was a bit of a ramble to me because the, like the the way he like writes this is one gigantic chapter. Yeah. Like I wish he would break it up a bit. You know, I'm not sure what the reason is for like why not chapter breaks and why is it one enormous passage.
0: I agree. As a person who has to write these summaries, it's very yeah. difficult.
1: <laughs> that, I mean that again it just you know it's like a big run on kind of thing going on made it a little difficult to get through because like I don't mm. know how much of this is like wheel spinning because he clearly like, the the point of a lot of these is to establish Luigi as the main character in this show him as distinct from the other three you know the three other wall facers and all of their plans and their their parts of this chapter I kind of had them pegged as like not important characters or like they're just being you know like whatever their plans are, are going to end up being useless or not important and all that. and that's, you know and that's these you know Luigi somehow through some intuitive way is going to end up being the savior here, even though he's just, you know, leveraging his uh wallfacer status to pretty much, you know, <laughs> live the life of a Playboy and uh get his uh dream living girlfriend.
0: And his three hundred thousand dollar uh wine yeah, from the yeah, bottom. Three, 300, the his
1: three hundred year old yeah, yeah, um cask of <laughs> wine. So I mean that seems to be the whole point of these is that it just like the other characters don't seem that Important, or if it seems like a bunch of like i don't know fake out red herring because they spend obviously focuses so much time on him and his inner monologue and inner life that it's it's hard to not take this as like this is the important character the rest of them won't be that important even though he's he's trying to concoct some kind of uh out of left field way for the the trisolarans to be defeated or i mean i
0: don't think he's even trying to concoct anything right i think he's just given up and like says i'm i'm not going to do anything like i don't know what to do i'm not this is not going to do it so i'm just going to take advantage when i can
1: right and that by sheer happenstance or something like that for whatever reason he becomes you know an important character or concocts a plan or is important to the story going to come out of left field that's my prediction anyway
0: i mean i think that's also established by the fact that the eto is trying to kill him you know like they try to assassinate him and then the eto guy who met him in the hospital Kind, i think he confirms that too that he's He's supposed to be the most dangerous guy? Like, I think he says something like that. That's
1: that's the big, you know, kind of like the previous book, Lucian, you know, seems to be, like, you know, set up these kind of somewhat obvious mysteries. Like, you know, he's just kind of saying out, like, this is what the hook is. You're not supposed to know why he is, but kind of plain as day that he's going to be the most important character. As far as the other wall facers are concerned, like, my big question throughout all this is why... If the whole point of the wall-facers is that they're not supposed to divulge their plans and concoct these in secrets, why are like, they constantly talking about their plans and their, <laughs> I don't know, is that like, did I miss
2: something or did that come off as strange to you, I mean, Or I was confused by that too. And I, I think the whole point about the other wall-facers, I agree with you, Tim. It's, it seems like a lot of red herrings. I'm sure part of it was a way to show that alternate ideas are being explored. And I think part of it is just to show a contrast with the main character. I I actually thought the second half of this went a little bit faster than the first half of this chapter, just because, again, it it felt like it was it was making progress towards the next step in the plot. So I I appreciated that part of it. But in terms of in terms of plot, I agree. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of distractions here that I think could be. I, I also co-host the Spoiler Cast, but I also have a terrible memory, so I don't remember anything. But I don't I don't think any of these. Even if I was reading this for the first time, I wouldn't assume that any of these things really matter in the in the long run. Yeah, I mean
1: Luigi seems to be like he's like a a JRPG protagonist or something at this point that he's supposed to be <laughs> special. Like he, you're supposed to think of him as special or something, but you don't know why. Like he's a like he's or he's like Neo in the Matrix or something. He's a chosen one or something for. You know that's what I'm getting out of this, but like why you don't know because they you know he obviously goes out of out of his way to show that like he's not serious. He obviously doesn't care.
2: Yeah, and and I think in terms of building tension, I think had all the wall facers been written equally, I think that would have been you wouldn't have known which character to follow. Air quotes, mm. but to follow, but here because we were introduced to him first, we. I can easily disregard what the other three are up to because I know that ultimately doesn't matter because they're not the main character.
0: So I would say, I don't know if you can disregard them because I think they're also all 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 four plans or all the other three plans are kind of commentary on humanity's like response, like what they would be. You have like Ray Diaz who just wants to develop like a super bomb. Like that's like his response to, that's his plan. Uh, and you have Heinz who wants to kind of better humanity and like doesn't really have a direct plan but has a plan to better humanity and like indirectly beat the Uh And then you have... Taylor's plan, which I don't, I don't really under fully understand what he's trying to do here, uh, based off of these chapters. But you know, he's meeting with Al Qaeda, he's meeting with, with with people who know about kamikazes, thinking about that you need an enemy to hate. So, and then he's also talking about also using Brady Diaz's bombs. So I think it's just like, and maybe it's a commentary in the U.S. because he's the Secretary of Defense. <laughs> it could be, yeah, that that's how I took it anyway. It's like more of a commentary about. Well well,
2: right. I mean but in terms in terms of the plot, we know that those aren't gonna be what we actually focus on as we move forward. Mm,
0: I don't know if you can make that assumption.
2: Mm, I'm gonna make that assumption.
1: Yeah, well it's it's just the weight that it that you know that is obviously giving mm. to Lua G and his, you know, you know, versus the other in, in you know, in the narrative. So like that's just a kind of an assumption, you know, I'm making because of that. Like I don't I'm not saying that they're gonna you know, the other wall phases are gonna fall off as, as characters, they're not gonna play a role or that they're all not going to go into cryostasis and uh all, you know, wake up four hundred years later and mm. I'll try to enact their plans, but um, you know, again, it seems weird to me that they're uh, divulging. If they're supposed to keep their actual like uh, motivations and plan a secret, they're kind of doing a, a bad job of it right now.
0: <laughs> so I would say for for that, like the you know the wallfacer program is overseen by the the PDC, which is sort of an arm of the UN, right? And right. I think most of the plans are divulged either at those meetings because they need to request resources or get some kind of resources approved or that kind of thing. So I'll say that, like, their plans aren't totally divulged, right? Like, they're divulging only what they need to divulge.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, like, you know, you can infer something by what they're requesting. They just seem to be a little explicit at this point as, I mean, yeah. If one somebody's saying, I want to build a team of kamikaze fighters and all that, like that's still an obvious detail that the Sofans could pick up on, you know? And yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, maybe he, he has some sort of like a 11th dimensional chess reason for doing this and that that's not actually the real reason. You know, it's not like he's just planning to kamikaze the Solaran fleet, you know? Maybe there's a, obviously it's such a strange situation too because it's how do you plan for something 400 years out? So right. like maybe this is just... The first step in a long, long series of steps and plans, and at the other end of it is something completely different than what was uh, first conceived. Yeah, it's just odd that there's just so much talk about it. The way he shows them just kind of explicitly saying what they're thinking in a lot of in a lot of ways seem weird.
0: So given what you guys know about the plans so far, Diaz wants to build a big bomb, Heinz Hines wants to build a big swarm of ships um, yeah. with bombs also, and Taylor wants to... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Heinz wants to uh, improve humanity's cognitive abilities, and, and Taylor wants to build a swarm of ships. Like, which of those do you think has the best chance of working?
1: Yeah. How am I? It's like, how am I supposed to know? Like, like uh, I, I guess, like, if you had to yeah. choose
0: between the three of them, like, what would you think would, do you think any of them are on the right track?
1: I mean, that's impossible for me to even answer. Like I haven't, you know, you don't know what the, like whether this is going to, you know, what the nature of the Tri-Solarian fleet is or what space, you know, like I like some of the details that he talks about, like how, about how like a nuclear bomb is not effective in space the way you think it is, you know, like you yeah, know, on Earth.
0: So if you were a member of the PDC and like you had to say, all right, all right, you need to make a choice between one of these plans, like one of these plans has to ultimately win, I guess, Then you know, given what you know, which one would you choose?
1: I guess I would say Bill Hines because he just seems to be the most most reasonable at this point, or just the more out of the I guess out of the box thinker or not immediately going to the most obvious thing, like like this is just going to be an interstellar war as a Star Wars or Star Trek type interstellar war. Like seems kind of obvious to me that like the way to actually like defeat something that is co- <laughs> is going to be something you can't think of or it's going to be uh it's gotta be some sort of very
2: creative solution.
0: Sure. How about you? I mean,
2: I would say the same. I think his seems to be the other two are just blowing a lot of stuff up, and <laughs> that, yeah. that seems to be the the outlier. And from a pacifist standpoint, I think that's what I would probably would probably lean towards as well.
0: I think that's a that's a reasonable reasonable conclusion, right? Given the fact that like, do, do our bombs, could our bombs even hurt the Trisolarans? Like we don't even know what their ships are made of. You know, we don't even know they wouldn't even work against traditional ships. So that's a modification, right? They said, he, they can like, I didn't totally get what like, he was talking about. And actually like that reminds me, I put a great quote from, from Ray Diaz, like when he's in the military and he's talking to the scientists about that stuff and like, he clearly doesn't understand what they're talking about. And they're like, well, we already know this. And then he's like, well, you're permitted to be redundant. <laughs> I just thought that was yeah. a great quote. <laughs> um but yeah like i don't fully totally get like how you can seems like put a bunch of ball bearings or whatever into into a nuclear bomb and, make, and and make that more effective
1: i mean maybe i mean possibly i mean that seems more you know obviously there's no air in space so you can't have a pressurized shockwave or something like that so you know if i was right. even going to like start to think about how to defeat a, a fleet that is beelining towards earth using some sort of weaponry or a shield or some you know some way to actually destroy the ships it's like hard to think that you're going to just point something at them and shoot them unless you have the technology for some sort of right. beam or ray or something like that you know so like if you're going to think about like some sort of kinetic weaponry is it g- going to have to be something like you're going to like you're going to cause so much like space debris or like micrometeorites or something like that and you're just going to cons- you're just going to like flood space or something, or the area around your planet with... They'll have to pass through it, and, you know, something that would disrupt tronics, or, you know... I mean, they say that at a certain speed in space, even little, you know, a pebble could punch through a a hole of something, so I don't know.
0: I know, like, people... The, this is kind of unrelated but kind of related if there's always like theory of like there's like an asteroid headed for earth that could be destructive that like one of the theories is like you can put a bomb on it and kind of redirect well, the path like i don't know well, yeah that
1: that's well yeah well yeah like armageddon but well yeah that was another <laughs> point you know like it's like maybe you know this the the way to defeat a plant you know a, a fleet wouldn't be like you'd have to know like given I mean, given how space travel is, or at least how we understand space travel, is that like it's kind of hard to actually change direction. Mm-hmm. You know, we just tend to like do the math, point something at there, and just sort of slingshot it towards it, and then like use gravity to uh, pull ourselves in and, you know, land. Like it's not like you're like constantly changing direction because it takes a lot of energy to do that. So is the way to defeat the trend is just to find some sort of way to blow it off course or misdirect it you know Mm. and like their energy problem for that you know is to they'd be blown off course and you know they wouldn't have the energy or wherewithal to yeah that's interesting redirect themselves but i guess that's the kind of thinking you know given our primitive you know understanding of space flight those are the kind of things ideas i would have to extrapolate from
0: um so i want to talk about the wall breakers a little bit um so we're also met with in the three body world with the, the remnants of the ETO and they're talking about like they're gonna sign a wall a wall face or a wall breaker to each wall facer. They don't assign one to Lua G saying he's his own wall breaker. What what do you guys make of that? Or is there anything you can make of that?
1: <laughs> I think it's just sort of again, pointing at the, the specialness of Lua G. He's his own worst enemy. I don't know, you know. A, yeah. Again, it's just sort of again, just kind of pointing it, it to him being special in some way. We don't really understand or are supposed to get at this point. Um,
0: but the Trisolarans uh, definitely get it, right? They yeah, they know that he's dangerous.
1: Yeah, again, it's like he's Neo or something, you know? Right? Uh, like <laughs> they know that you know he's there. There's some special quality to, about him that uh, that he's the chosen one. We're not supposed to know that yet.
0: And I guess we'll have to talk about his more of the dream girlfriend now real girlfriend <laughs> uh, scenario. I know you guys yeah. said you kind of skipped over it uh last time did you also kind of i think these chapters are i'll say these are the worst chapters in the whole series and like i will say like after this like there's not not much more of this which <laughs> <This> is good <laughs> like that we're kind of finally like this is this is the as bad as it gets but there is some interesting information there one of the things that really stuck out to me was when they're on top of the mountain and and jung yuen is talking about the the trisalyrians coming here and she, she says, you know, why can't we just give them a pot of land and live together? Lodge is kind of shocked, not shocked, but you know, he's he thinks of like, all right, well, Sofan's heard you, and the, maybe even that the high precepts of the <laughs> trisalerans heard you. And he says, I'm I'm thinking that the person who might actually have a chance of saving the world is you. I want to talk about both things. Like, did you guys read these chapters or kind of skip over them? And then also no. Do you I think OK, <laughs> yeah. and do you do you think like her hers is kind of the key? to to his eventual plan
1: yeah possibly um i think they are kind of setting her up again like the way luigi is uh you know special in some way yeah she's the female counterpart to him like she's princess zelda or something in this (laughs) scenario and that you know she has the power of love or the power of her positive thinking i mean she does kind of have the somewhat kind of creative idea of you know, people developing a language through facial expressions as a way of outwitting the uh, you know trisolarans, and that's something that the Sophons can't can't detect, and that they have, might have you know develop a way of communication. Again, I think sh- they might be setting up, her up as a uh, vector for some creative out of the box solution that will have nothing to do with conventional space warfare.
0: Uh, yeah, I think the the unspoken language thing is really interesting, and then. um uh, showing that as g- giving the the example of the Mona Lisa, I think it's also really interesting how people kind of interpret that painting in a million different ways, just based on her slight smile, right? Right. Um, so I thought, yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting way to to put it, even though the the scenario of them getting there was kind of ridiculous. But how about you? You I mean, did you did you read it or kind of
2: skip I, over this one? I, I skimmed over those parts, but I, I I agreed about the the Mona Lisa being being good. I don't know foreshadowing or whatever or an example of of what what they were going to do so Mm. um but yeah i i kind of skimmed over a lot of that i guess i'll find out in the spoiler cast but i'm curious whether or not this is actually the end of it or if if there is some kind of return because i'm not looking forward to that
0: yeah so like i said that i'm not saying i don't want to say too much about the plot but this is as this this is as cringy as it gets right (laughs) so like yeah the first time i read it and every time after that i read it i was like oh man what this like you know nerdy playboy guy kind of envisions his dream lover and then like gets that girl who happens and matches complete description and then just falls in love with her immediately because he dreamed about her so not good
1: (laughs) again you know we talked about him in like the author uh Shin, you know and kind of like you know made comparisons you know to him and to like michael Crichton and authors like that that are good at like writing characters as like you know fulfilling a certain like role here's the astrophysicist here's the biologist you know as like um representatives of a certain scientific mindsets like Crichton he's like clumsier at trying to like Portray these, you know, more I don't know, well-rounded kind of artsier characters. I think this is him kind of attempting to do that, you know, yeah. and trying to subvert your expectations as a, like a hard sci-fi author that he's going to have a hard sci-fi solution, and he's trying to maybe show his softer side here that like the the way we're going to beat the trisolarians isn't through hard science and warfare, but the creative theater kids or something. You know? <laughs> but uh, he's just a little clumsier at portraying that those types of people and that type of thought process.
0: Yeah, I think he's really good about, I mean, uh, to me, like this book, especially is like really good at talking about how society reacts to such a existential crisis, right? And like how society would, it's kind of reasonable, like how it would kind of break down. I mean, it's kind of fantastical, obviously, that we would develop a wall program, but it's, it seems reasonable enough, right? And he's obviously really good about talking about scientific concepts, like really either realistic ones or kind of just a little bit above reality ones, like this, the so fun stuff, where it's still it's still plausible, but yeah, the character, yeah. I, I think that's, that's a common um complaint about, about his writing is that the characters aren't really characters where in the last book, the long way to small you know, planet, like that's all about the characters and like basically not that much about the science. It was like almost like a complete opposite. So it's interesting that we did that, that kind of yeah. uh big difference in, uh, in style there.
1: Yeah. It is a very almost an inversion author's relative strengths.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure like, you know becky chambers can and does i mean like she you know she did bring up some interesting concepts you know like the algae powering the um the ships and that kind of stuff but we never really hear anything about like the technical details about how that works and i was kind of expecting it right <laughs> uh yeah. and we yeah we never got it because like maybe i'm just coming from this series where I, I i wanted to hear more about like the technical details about that stuff yeah
1: well it's a it's a different different type of sci-fi where it's like yeah, yeah. It's skipping all those details and then more concerned with the kind of society that that creates or the like the kind of you know cool uh space society and the adventures that you can have within because of all of this stuff as opposed to getting deep in the weeds about the actual like details uh you know scientific details yeah i mean here lucian is good at like like you said divulging these you know like details about how a nuclear bomb doesn't work quite as well in space or the sofans which the, yeah i mean the sofans are seem fantastical but it is something extrapolated from quantum theory or quantum physics to the point where you know that stuff seems like magic to us because we don't fully understand it but we can imagine extrapolating what that math means into something that seems almost magical to us might be perfectly scientific or within the realm of reality like unfolding a proton i don't
0: know um i also want to talk a a little bit about dasher's character so we find out that he has leukemia from his operation against ETO from last book and he's going to move on towards kind of hope in the future he's going to hibernate and hope in the future that it's that leukemia is cured and he also maybe misuses police resources but maybe doesn't because it's part of the that's quote-unquote part of the plan <laughs> to find uh zhongyuan yeah any any thoughts on on dashir's character here does this make you guys like i mean i know like we had um some discussions before about me liking dashir and this is you know so this is part of it too. He does a lot of cool stuff. You know, he's saving lodging in the beginning. He's has he's like the most competent. So I guess like are, are you? And then we also find out when he goes to the, visit his son in prison. Right, his son is already in jail for scamming the old guys out of their money. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess like yeah. Well, how do you guys think about his character?
1: Hey, I think he's supposed to be kind of the every man's perspective of all of this and in a way you know because he's not a site he's just he's just a smart but down to earth cop and he's the only kind of and he's the only like uh you know through line to the last book you know we haven't i mean other than the brief thing with uh u and g at the beginning we don't none of those characters have really returned in any real way uh mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know i think he's just i think he's the author's just kind of like I I'm expecting Dasher to somehow be there at the end, or somehow be like the you know, he's gonna be the only character in the next book to like to carry through all three or something.
0: Right, right. Be...
1: <laughs> like that. Like he's the author's like pet character or like, you know.
0: Well, like we also book. we also briefly see Dingy on TV talking about the sofan strikes, and apparently he is outside like he is um the sitian's like pet character. He's like he shows up in other books as well. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't read the other books, but yeah, apparently he, he does show up in the Session universe or whatever it's called.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I thought Dasher was, he was less bothersome. He's less bothersome in this book so far than he was in the last book. And I think, yeah. he, you know, given up some of that pseudo hardboiled detective type of talk and all that kind of thing. And he's just, he's just a detective and a cop and whatever. So he, he is more multidimensional. And I think that makes him. Less comically annoying to me, anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> comically annoying. <Yeah. laughs> oh, so I, I also wanted to talk about you know, we, all, we talked about the wall-facer plans and like which ones we had the best, we thought we had the best chance of working. Um, there was also a discussion by John Behai and the rest of the military talking about the different approaches to building ships for how they're going to achieve victory. Like, what's the best approach? So they talk about three approaches, low-tech, mid-tech, and high-tech, and they all go to different degrees of speed. So low-tech goes 800 kilometers per second, has no life support. Mid-tech goes 4,800 kilometers per second and has partial life support. And high-tech goes 16,000 kilometers per second, or 5% the speed of light, and has full life support. So none of the military seems to be into the high-tech, except for Jiangbei Hai, who says, like, that's really the only chance of working. And he even goes further saying, like, not only do we need to do high tech, but we need to make uh, fusion engines that we don't currently have. And people are like, ah, we have so on we can't do that. Um, but he's the only one who, who volunteers for it while the rest of the military seems to want to go towards the, the more conventional approaches. Do you agree with John Beha here?
2: So I, I guess I didn't fully, and again, I might've been skipping this section too, but I didn't really fully <laughs> understand what why they were really focusing on on the other two or like why even bother with with low tech because it seemed i don't know i i guess i didn't really quite understand i mean i understand the numerical difference between the three but i didn't understand the strategic implications of the differences between the three
1: i don't yeah i don't quite get why they're so uh calibrated to these specific numbers or how they settled on that i mean it seems to me that if high tech is possible for humans to achieve uh you know in the time that that would have the you know like whatever other beneficial technologies might spin out of that research like it would at least expand the possibility space that we would you know be able to develop something useful against the um against the trisolarans but i guess it's just a, a matter of resource allocation is it worth it to go after that to go after the high tech even though it might not yield anything and you might have just wasted a bunch of uh efforts and research when you i guess you could have been just kind of like again like trudging along and, and building a uh a series of uh you know space mines or something you know low-tech space mines and just you know like planting them throughout the 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 space around Earth or something you know I don't worked worked
0: on d nine why not they oh, they yeah. uh, mine the wormhole right they can work here um I, I think like the idea is that no one believes that the high tech thing can even be possible because of the sophon lock, you know, um, yeah. so everyone's just want yeah, i they want just focus their resources and, and energy on the stuff that they think they can do despite the Sophon lock, but jump high like. Throughout all these chapters, has been the only one who set you seems to have like a complete faith in victory. He is like convincing everybody that, or he's trying to convince everybody that we need to believe, you know, in our in our our victory. Uh, and then the troops need to also believe that we can we can have victory against the Trissolarians. And so I think to that end, here he's also saying like we need to go beyond what we think we can do and try to go for the high tech solution.
1: Yeah, I think he's just trying to channel like I don't know like. 1960s space or like positivity about uh you know like what like what, whatever our efforts in this you know as long as we've like we're motivated and whatever our, our efforts towards this are i think he seems to believe that like it will yield something whether it's just pure like morale for humanity um maybe he's like it's not necessarily about the destination it's the journey type uh thinking
0: i guess the question is like why do they need to go so far out like it seems like Mostly, people are content with like engaging in the battle in the solar system. But John by Hyde like wants life support ships. We can go out further because they set out to I forget where they say, but like they can they can go really far, right, to the edge of the solar system or, or beyond. So it looks like he maybe wants to take the battle to them outside of the solar system. I don't know. Is that how you guys read it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Again, other other than in the most, like, generalized sense, like, you know, expanding the possibility space where we can engage with them might increase our ability to even just maybe throw them off, you know, off course, further out, take the battle far enough away from Earth that any collateral damage would, uh, you know, maybe be limitable to us. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I know, like, I've talked to other people, too, and John Beha's character is kind of hard to get into, but I will guarantee you it becomes really interesting
1: <laughs> yeah i can kind of see him you know like morphing into like the leader or the the sort of uh the figurehead around rich people rally yeah
0: i mean his uh his ideas around being having the triumphalism ideas and kind of the belief that we can beat the Trisolarans, i think it becomes really important to a couple of different facets so there's a couple of things that I picked up also in foreshadowing for other stuff that again you guys aren't gonna get, but to our listeners who have read the entire series, one you should listen to the spoiler cast, and two maybe you'll, you've also picked up on these. But um, there's lots of talk of painting from Zhuang Yan and Zhuang Yan and Luo Ji also look at the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa has a very important part to play in the in the series that you probably wouldn't expect. So is there anything else that you guys would like to talk about or? have thoughts on or i guess like o- overall like how how are you thinking about the book so far do you like it better than the first book as much i know it's like kind of early on but given where we are versus where we were in the first book how are you guys feeling
2: i think at this point so i'm going to assume two episodes in and i'm going to try to remember what that was like i think i liked uh three body problem more um it seemed to have i don't know it seemed to be propelled more and i i, I think there was less Maybe there were fewer red herrings about where where people are going to go, but this seems. I, I know Dan. I think you said your favorite book was the third one. So to me, this is this is the price of admission to get to the third book. But so far, I think the first one was more what I enjoy reading.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely suffering a bit from, like, middle book, you know, middle chapter syndrome, and this is common, you know, in a lot of uh, trilogies and all that, but uh, it is spinning its wheels a bit, and but, uh, like, I'm kind of, you know, and I, I, again, I don't know, you know, how long it takes to actually get to, you know, because to the battle, um, you know, this has obviously the uh, unusual setup that you kind of, like, have this... Thing to anticipate this big battle this you know this uh looming you know plot point and i'm kind of hoping you know this again knowing nothing about like you know, the course of thing how things go even though i do like know that like it does skip like many years you know um you know centuries or something like that at some point that's literally all i know about where this goes in a way i'm kind of hoping that the big battle isn't the third book or take place in the third book and that it somehow happens or that part happens by the end of this book and that the third book is like after that or something or fall out of that or just something different I don't know I mean that may not be the way it is it's going probably not I don't know. I'm kind of hoping that like this kind of like takes a jump to that and kind of sooner than later personally
0: yeah, I won't say anything but yeah <laughs> so how about the the thing I, I think i like about this book i i kind of go back and forth about i mean third book's definitely my favorite of 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 all of them and that's every every single person i've talked to on the interview series and most people i've talked to like uh, they're you know talking about this this series like that third book's always their favorite but i kind of go back and forth on the first book being my uh, which one i like better the first or the second book i think i'd like i don't know maybe i'm like every read's different but in this current read i think i like the second book better than the first one only because the scope is expanded so much from the first one where the scope basically for the first one was just kind of following Wang Miao and you know his his trying to figure out the mystery and you know it, it blows up you know when we figure out like it's always the tries to learn and the eto and there's all this other cool stuff but it's basically seen through his eyes right where this one is like a lot more there's a lot more things going on simultaneously. And and maybe like you said, like Vladji is kind of more focused on um as the as the main character. But we you know, we do see we have plenty of perspectives from uh other people at the same time. So I think that's why I enjoy this. And then plus like uh, it's not just Wang we are reacting to it, it's like all of society reacting to it and the government's reacting to it. And I like those kind of stories where they kind of talk about like the world. I think we talked about it last time where, you know, like the leftovers talks about like how the world changes when this event right. happens. And so this is kind of expanding on that even more
1: yeah it's kind of sh- i mean it's it's playing to his strengths in that you know like it is uh a bit more interesting with the scope pulled out a bit and a bit more of a you know ensemble cast you know as opposed to an interesting character but you know and then to his you know his weakness and just kind of focus on loji g and his you know special girlfriend yeah like, it's kind of like his strengths and his weaknesses are both on display here but uh like at least we're getting some of that more like pulled back and ensemble like perspective of this whereas the first book you know didn't have anything quite as you know cringy as uh lua ji but um you know it was still kind of like following kind of uh somewhat dry characters you know Wang Miao for most of it
0: yeah definitely and and i'll 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 say i think i said it before but like we don't we don't see Wang Miao again. Like he is gone. <laughs> like it's it's pretty weird. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was surprised by that. Like you know, he was the or I guess you know I wasn't sure whether he shows up again or something like that or or he cycles back to becoming a main character again. But yeah, if he's just not there, he's
0: he, he's mentioned in passing a couple times. Yeah, I think he's mentioned in passing in in this in one of these chapters. Uh, I think Dasher mentions. Uh he mentions them somehow talking about some scientist he used to know or like smart person he used to know or something like that. Uh, so I think that's him. Uh Frank from the show it thought he was maybe talking about Dingy, but I think he's talking about Wang Miao, but it could be either one.
1: Yeah, he played his part and uh I mean it's kind of a sign that the you know, the the author is more invested in the, the wider scope of the story than individual characters and the reader's like investment in individual characters.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that's gonna translate to the tv show that's that's always a question that's kind of my mind is like how they're going to do that like you know we think about game of thrones like yes they got rid of their main character in the first show but it was in a very dramatic way right yeah and but this one is like well it's not there anymore
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that was a, i mean you know i mean like that was a hook you know in right game of thrones you know him like that was supposed to be something that subverted your expectations and actually drew you into this it's like right and, and drove like, the plot right like yeah, all the events this happened is, because of that right yeah yeah and it's not and it's supposed to yes if you were real most people you know if they really were invested in that character were maybe bummed for a little bit but i think they you know they got over it because it was such a surprise and you know a bold move so it's like oh this series is not going to be what i expected it to be
0: right so i'm just gonna i'm gonna root for rob stark now because he'll he'll do it yeah
1: (laughs) right Right. but yeah i mean just kind of like dropping a character like that is uh I mean, it's, 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 you know, if you're kind of invested in, you know, a, a, a through line throughout all of these, it's kind of, it makes it kind of hard to, like, I can see a lot of people just like, you know, kind of liking the first book and then picking this one up and just saying, oh, what the hell is this and putting it down. Yeah. Whereas Wang Miao, but, but then again, Wang Miao wasn't that it's heartwarming a character like even like for as cringy as luigi is and you know, zhang yen you know like he's still he still has more personality than anybody else in the book in the series so far in a sense just because he's yeah. kind of a lazy gad about and, you know,
0: you know. <laughs> he's really he's really funny in these chapters too <laughs> yeah
1: yeah like the the wine thing like I can, right uh, like i can see that translating to uh becoming kind of a. Uh, an in, in endearing character if played well in a tv you know if, if the writers actually like flesh him out um, yeah you know becoming kind of an endearing character in, in, a, in a tv show adaptation or something like that if you got like a care you know you'd have to get maybe some something of a charismatic actor for him to as well but
0: yeah yeah it's also interesting that the yo doesn't also show up that much i mean she shows up at the very beginning of this book but she's also she's the she's Maybe maybe the main character of the last book it's it, you know, it's kind of a tie between her and Wang Miao, but yeah neither of them really show up in this book so far. Yeah,
1: maybe, so yeah maybe the most important I mean she doesn't get nearly as much screen screen time as Wang Miao in the first book I think you know but, yeah. um but certainly yeah kind of the catalyst I think for all of this but yeah
0: yeah it's, yeah it's interesting that
1: but I think that's her role was just to be kind of the again that catalyst.
0: Thanks for listening. Please check out rehydrate.space for all of episodes, reading list, pronunciation guide, and any news about the podcast coming up. Be on the lookout for our new series called Unfathomable that should be coming out soon that is talking about music-related concepts. So that should be good. Uh, and leave any comments or by emailing us at rehydrate.fastmail.com or on Twitter at rehydratepod. And please join us next time for episode three, The Spell we're recovering all of part 2 of the dark forest by this